Welcome back. We are back with a post-Super Bowl edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John DeVar, and my co-host, Matt Walker. And as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. So we are officially, officially done with the 2023-2024 NFL season. We are in the swings of offseason, which is what we are really obsessed with as dynasty guys here. So I'm uh, going to do a little recap of the Super Bowl for a bit, and then we're going to have a little fun and then we are taking next week off and coming back, both barrels loaded, rookie shit for, I don't know, a couple months here before the season gets started again. <laughs> Seems like the, the window's getting shorter every year. But uh, Walk, how are you and where you want to get started? Yeah, um, excited to be turning the page of 2024 here. It was a, uh, a very forgettable end to the Real football season for my Philadelphia Eagles, and then you know in fantasy football, you know various capacities. So I'm looking forward to diving into the 2024 rookies. But you know before we do, we just had to send the 2023-24 season out. You know uh, with kind of a certain 40 flair here. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. You know some things. You know some key takeaways, and then we're going to go into something that you conceptualize, buddy. You know as a kind of transition, and it was the least valuable awards. We're still workshopping the name. Is it going to be the Fantasy Razzies? You know we'll figure that out. But you know we like going negative, so we're going to go into the least valuable owner, general manager, head coach, and all offensive skill position players in the league last year. This is going to be must-listen podcasting gold. You know, anyone that knows us knows this will hit. There's two ways around it. If anyone could slam people harder than us, I haven't met them yet. So um, do we get to that on the back end? But clearly, we need to talk about Super Bowl, what is it, L-V-I-I-I-I. I'm not a I'm not a Roman numerals guy, so I don't know. Three eyes. So what what is that? Fifty-eight? Is that yes. how that works? You got All it. All right. All right. Super Bowl fifty eight. There we go. Um, I just know that next Super Bowl, you know, because it's already making the rounds on Twitter with the they, we already see the new logo now, which is disgusting. It's terrible. I don't know if you've seen it. It's got like the Mardi Gras flair because it's in New Orleans. I have not, but if you could send it to me at your earliest yeah. convenience, I'm great. Yeah. Appreciate the color scheme is trash. Everyone's trying to assume who's going to make the Super Bowl next year because of it. It's it, it's terrible. You know, it, a, a baby monkey could have done better than whoever got paid millions to create that. But we're going to talk about the now back-to-back clearly established dynasty Kansas City Chiefs winning in overtime 25 to 22. Gotta ask you because I think there's a chance the answer might be, not be what I expect it to be. Did you watch the Super Bowl, John? Yeah, I, I saw almost all of it. <clears throat> okay. Well, that's didn't. I thought there was a world where you might have said, no, I had to work, or you actually did I, work. Did you not? I, I did, in fact, work the that's Super Bowl, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just saw. Next year's Super Bowl logo. And it looks like the word licks, which I love. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I was going to get into is uh, when they're nines, it's IX, right? So before yes. it was like slicks. I love or something it. Like. I actually, I love it. It's my X. new favorite logo yeah. in history. Yeah. Was before there was an X Lex one or whatever it was. Yeah. We're uh, always in the nines. You know, you'll, you'll be, uh, I guess for now, it'll, it'll change when it's like, like a 79 or something, maybe. But nonetheless. Um, so you saw most of the game. So first half was one of the most boring halves of 
just real football I have seen in quite some time. I mean, obviously it the fumbles by McCaffrey was horrific. Pacheco stalled out what could have been some some points, you know, some fantasy goodness, but you know, no points scored in the first quarter at all. Thirteen points total scored in the first half by these two teams. Where, yeah, they both have really good defenses, but I don't know. I just, I, I thought scoring. I thought that total was a little bit low. Which, ironically enough, the total ended up closing at forty-seven. And for you math challenged individuals, oh. the twenty-two twenty-five final equals forty-seven points. I, have, I got it at forty-seven and a half, and I got the 40, under. So it it opened win. at forty-seven and a half, so. <clears throat> Kudos to you. You know, it looks like it might have closed at 47 on what I'm looking at. I think it um, got up to 48 at one point in game Just right the fact that it's like right there, right? I mean, just oh yeah. Yeah. Just <clears throat> old Vegas. You know, just just well, keep... wasn't the spread well, it never got the three, two and a half, but I mean a three point win can't get any closer than two and a half unless it's right on no, the number. The so. city was getting two. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I mean the number, you're correct. The underdog covered, but it was a you know three point win is, was my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that it was a close game. Pretty much hit the total right on head. I thought I thought it was going to be an over. I, I was on Kansas City this whole time. I'm just like, sorry, Kansas City getting points in the Super Bowl. Sign me up. Like too many people were galaxy braining this. Like how is Kansas City getting points? Like Vegas knows something. I'm like, no, John Debar hit the nail on the head last week. There were too many futures on San Francisco. And they needed to level the deck. So yeah. entice people to bet the Chiefs <laughs> and, you know, protect themselves, you know, either way. You know, all, all they want is the juice at the end of the day. But, you know, I I, I was Kansas City money line. I would have I went over, but I took a lot of props. I didn't hit anything <laughs> as far as full bets are concerned. I hit things here and there. You know, that Mahomes rushing over total was just a given. Uh, the, the CMC props i thought were just a given i actually had a bet that was cmc scores a rushing and receiving touchdown which i had a you know a decent amount of a change on and when he caught that you know kind of trick touchdown pass early from Jawan jennings i go or yeah we're john jennings i was like oh well that one's gonna cash because the touch the receiving touchdown was the one that was obviously less likely he's definitely gonna get a rushing touchdown and yeah that of course that doesn't happen yeah, you know, for the for the rest of the game. So couldn't even get that. But I did call when we were talking about prop bets. I was all over Christian McCaffrey receiving touchdown. I just the, the way and I wouldn't have saw it happen in that way, but he was used a lot in the receiving game. Kansas City was just not good at defending running backs in the past game. So I should have just leaned heavy into a McCaffrey receiving touchdown alone, but I got greedy and went, you know, had had to make that those odds look so appealing that they were never gonna happen. Um so Walked away, you know, with nothing but a smile after San Fran lost because after after Dallas, my second most hated team in the NFL now is the San Francisco 49ers because no one whines like a 40 whiner. So <laughs> I was so happy to see them fall on their face, you know, kicking away a, a 10 point lead, you know, uh, yet again for uh, young Shani and watching Mahomes just, you know, solidify himself as. You know, at least on the trajectory of being the greatest player of all time. Yeah, it's hard to argue. He's still young too. <laughs> That's the scary part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this Wait. is you know, yeah, yeah. He's, he's been a starter for six seasons now, Mary. He didn't start the first year in Kansas City with Alex Smith. He's been in the Super Bowl four times in those six seasons, and he has yep. three Super Bowl wins. Yep. 
He's won 50% of the years he is qualified for. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's that's a trend. I mean, Brady started off super hot as well. He got three early on in his career. Then he went a decade between Super Bowl wins. Was it a decade, really? It was, and only mm-hmm. because I was looking that up, trying to argue with some people on Twitter, you know, that, you know, once they d- decide what the right answer is, there's they're not, they don't want to hear facts. So when they start, he's not even close to Brady. I'm like, actually, I mean, he's kind of right on par with Brady. I think Brady might have been 27 when he hit his third, but then he didn't win again until he was like 37, I think it was, um, on the tail end. And he picked up a couple at the end. Obviously, his sixth was, uh, or seventh was with uh, Tampa Bay on the, on the very end of it. But, you know, the, the path that Patrick Mahomes is on is <laughs> one of, uh, yeah, so Brady won his he won his first three in his first four years in the league. 21, 20, sorry, 2001, 2003, 2004. And then he went, went yeah, can't speak English anymore. Won his fourth in 2014, 10 years later. And then he hit in 16, 18, and 20. So he took three in his first four years, and then he didn't get another one until his 14th year in the league. So if if uh, Mahomes wins one in the next, you know, eight years, he is ahead of Tom Brady. Yeah, that's all he has to do. <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to the quarterback thing real quick. My 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 betting experience. I actually ended up not a ton, not not significant money, but I I didn't I didn't lose. I came out ahead. So I started hot, hit the coin toss, <laughs> I took <laughs> took heads. I got that. My my big winner was plus six hundred. I, I I thought it would be a close game. I said. It's in Vegas. Seems like uh, the NFL script would go to overtime. So I said, yes, I hit the overtime bet. I had Chiefs money line. I already mentioned I had the under. Um, so I, I won all those, and those are some of my bigger bets. And then I, I didn't think Ayuk was going to do shit. I had his uh, receiving oh, why, yard. Why didn't you think Ayuk wasn't going to do shit, John? Because of you. So I ran with it. That game went to overtime, and he didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, so I took uh, the Ayuk under, and then I took the Valdez Scantling over. It was 19 and a half, and he just whew, skated by at 20. I thought he'd catch one deep ball, and that was it. So when he caught kind of a short touchdown, I was terrified that was going to be it for him. But Listen, he, he tried to screw you. You know, that one that one catch he had, he, it was like a five-yard catch that he turned into a four-yard loss. Like So he, he, tried his, he tried his darndest. It's hard. Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, in, in hindsight, I like the under. And I took a bunch of like Debo Samuel over and Rasheed Rice, which if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, it's actually stupid. If I, if I really like the under, then I need players to all go under also. So I, I, I did screw myself. I should have taken more <clears throat> unders on the player props. But circling back to your, you know, comparison to Brady and stuff. And I was talking to somebody the other day, just thinking about like, you know, Marino getting to that Super Bowl his second year and then his entire career just blocked by, you know, Elway and Jim Kelly and all these. I think I think Elway and Kelly combined were in four, represented the AFC eight times, I think, in the Super Bowl during Marino's career. And you look at the AFC now and it's Lamar, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, you got C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson might be something, Trevor Lawrence, <clears throat> Justin Herbert, you know, Tua on the fence if he's good or not. It's <laughs> these guys 
could all be in the conversation. One Super Bowl, all these guys are in conversation for one of the best quarterbacks ever. And there was a better than 90% chance they're all going to be capped at the AFC championship. It's it's fucking brutal. Brutal. Yeah, yeah I saw something on Twitter. It was like a Broncos fan saying, the best thing that happened to the Broncos was the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl because now they can fully embrace the teardown because they're like, you ain't winning anything in the next, you know, six to eight years. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you're, 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 you can't even win your own division. So best case, you're a wild card team, you know, yeah. you're, like, and you're not getting to the Super Bowl because you still then have to go back through Kansas City, you know, more than likely. So like, you can do hey, AFC teams do some. Do some self-reflection, right? This this is the time to reset and try and find your Mahomes. Yeah, that, that AFC West, I mean, every year you're just hoping to fucking – you're never going to host a playoff game, ever, 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 <laughs> until the you know 2040s. How does that feel if you're the fucking Chargers or yeah. Raiders or Broncos? Yeah. Short, you know, short, our, like, our, you're the same as the 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 AFC East, right? And with uh, no mm-hmm. NFC East with uh, the Patriots, right? I mean, that's no, AFC East. Yeah, I was right the first time. What am I talking about? Yeah, with the, it's just done, just done. Yeah, where it took like the Brady injury year for the Dolphins to I think win the division like once. Like Didn't the Jets don't win it one time too. Yeah, I think the Rex Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez Jets, yeah. Like, but I'm pretty sure they were outlier years. But yeah, like the Chargers. Harbaugh goes to the Chargers. Even if everything clicks, what's the best case scenario for the Chargers? He's still looking up. At, two at Andy two division wins oh, between now yeah. and 2035. Yeah. <laughs> You're fucked. You're just fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he went he went for the money and the sunny. Yeah, you know, good old Los Angeles. He, it's not going for Super Bowls. That's for sure. Because you are hard capped, especially if you're in the AFC West right right now. It's yes. a, a tough, a tough road to hoe. But listen, you were you were talking about like the unders and all, but if I told you like before the game that Patrick Mahomes throws for 333 yards, you would assume that Rasheed Rice would have had more than 39 receiving yards. Like, yeah, and I mean him and Debo both. I mean they got the targets. They just didn't. I mean, what are you going to do? Debo definitely got the targets, mad. but yeah, I Purdy didn't get the yards, right? I mean, listen, Debo had eleven targets. Caught three I think I texted them. you during the game. Debo went down untouched one time. I was like, well, those fucking tickets are dead. And then he came yep. back. I didn't think he did not look like he was coming back at yeah, all. Yeah, that, that was a hammy. Which you know, and if it's a regular game, yeah, he's probably done. That's so true. Yeah, he likely toughed it out because the Super Bowl. But yeah, he wasn't the same, you know, and he didn't, he didn't really do anything. You know, he had three carries as well for eight yards. He was entirely ineffective. I mean, Spagnuolo just had an answer for everything, you know, outside of a, a trick play, you know, where you're throwing at Anthony Crossfield, which it didn't even look like was the play because Juwan Jennings was looking downfield at first. That was like the check down was over to McCaffrey, uh, you know, to, to get one of their touchdowns was, uh, you know, outside of that, they did their job against San Fran. You know, if it weren't for like the Pacheco fumble and then the Mahomes interception, Kansas City could have won this game by 10 points. <laughs> sure. Honestly. So, yeah. Kudos to the Chiefs. Um, back-to-back champs. Now we're done. On 
to our 2024 least valuables, John. So <laughs> I love this idea when you came up with it. Now, we are nothing if not consistent in our the way we speak positively about the players we love, but the way we speak negatively about the players we loathe. And so I not make an entire episode to put a bow on 2023-24. So we're going to go down the line and you and I each submitted, you know, our uh, applicants uh, or, you know, I don't know, the nominees, sorry, our nominees for the various awards. And I'm going to run through one at a time here and we're going to let you know who was nominated and ultimately who the winner was <laughs> for each category. So let's just start off with the owners. We don't talk about owners near enough. Uh, I, maybe we do, but we only usually talk about the bad ones, right? Because we did one, no one talks about the good ones. They're not, they're not worth talking about. Um, so let's focus on these bad ones. So for the least valuable owner of the 2023-2024 season, the nominees are Mark Davis of the Las Vegas Raiders, <laughs> Jimmy Haslam of the Cleveland Browns, Michael Bidwell of the Arizona Cardinals, Dean Spanos of the Los Angeles Chargers, Amy Adams Strunk of the Tennessee Titans and David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers. It's a pretty strong group there, John. Pretty strong group of uh, yeah. I mean, when you when really you think, get it done, when you think big picture, man, there's a lot of weirdos and failure and fraud and giant fucking egos. To, to not squeeze Jimmy Jones in here and a couple other guys uh, I had mentioned or you were mentioned just tells you how inept and just giant egotistical maniac assholes some of these <laughs> yeah, I mean, guys listen, but we got we squeezed we squeezed yeah. one woman in there too she's terrible they're a rare breed right there's only 32 of them right so this is the elite of the elite you know narcissists of the world so the winner of the 2023 2024 least valuable owner of the year is none other than David Temper, yes, David Temper, because this dude has the worst temper I have seen in a human being. Throwing drinks on fans. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, about that. screaming at people, you know, at, at games. Like, this guy has a complex of, of, uh, I could never imagine, right? Just believes he is he is a bigger McCracken in Kingpin. He is just believes he is above the law. At this point in time, he has quickly displaced the previous Washington Commanders owner, Dan Snyder, atop the worst owners in the NFL. And even if Snyder was still the owner of the Commanders, I believe Tepper would have won this award this year. I, I yes, completely. I don't we. I don't think there was even a question where this award was going. I is he. And I don't know what goes on in the NBA. And there's a few shitty baseball teams, but because of the way they do revenue sharing, it doesn't really hurt their product as much as uh, it would in other leagues. I'm pretty sure he is the worst owner in all of sports, even. But North American, I don't know what the hell goes on in <laughs> European soccer. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's hard to argue. I mean, half of these idiots own stock in uh, MLS. other teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, drawing like the, the international soccer. So, but yeah, yeah you're, you're absolutely right. Um, he is, he, he would be a nominee for the 
the least valuable owner in all of sports. You know, he's the reason that they drafted Bryce Young. He's the reason that the head coach and the GM got fired in Carolina yeah. because of his decisions. You know, the new you know staff that he brought in. I mean, I think his GM is going to be short lived again. And I mean, good luck, Dave Canales. Um, you know, in your first opportunity as a head coach, trying to fix this mess. Uh, this is a this isn't getting better anytime soon, uh, in my opinion, for those Carolina Panthers. This no, dude is, this dude is an absolute cancer for the organization. I, I, I don't see a world where they are not the worst team in the NFL for till my kids are in college, which is decades away. <laughs> They're yeah, there's no end in sight here. No, right? he didn't hire an experienced GM that's really going to fix things. He hired a first time, you know, GM. I don't even know what. Drawing a blank, Dan, whatever, Dan Morgan, he was a linebacker, I believe, for the Panthers at one point. Like, I don't even know where he came from, to be totally honest with you. Like, I don't know. He, he had worked his way. I, I found so Morgan had worked his way up through the system. He was like an area scout, went into scouting, had, had worked around the GM office. So, he actually, since he retired, he has been uh, in, in the offices working his way up. So, it's not crazy, but obviously. I don't even remember the coach's name. I don't care. The coach and Morgan that they brought in, they didn't, I don't even know if they interviewed people with like real experience. It it is clear they were brought in because they would be pepper. Yes, men. You know what I mean? They're inexperienced guys. He wants to direct everything. Um, Let me know when you're ready for some fun. David Tepper facts, by the way. Oh, listen, I'm always ready, but Dan Morgan looks like he should be security for the GM. Like Correct. He look, look like he should be the the GM, but listen, foot, you know, ex football guys have worked in front office capacities before. You know, specifically linebackers. You know, ironically enough, it seems. So d- we'll see. Uh, good luck, uh, Dan Morgan. Um, you look like you have a strong enough personality to maybe withstand a few years of David Tepper. But let's hear those facts before we move on to the general manager. All right, to give you give you an idea, right, of what where this guy came from and how you could become such a prick asshole. And and sometimes it's well deserved. Like my experience with baseball players that are really good, all excellent baseball players are assholes. And I get it because it's super duper hard to be awesome at baseball. So you just by default you have to become a prick. Um all right. 92 after he only worked at Goldman Sachs for two years, he was not named a partner, so he quit. <laughs> and he began operating from a desk in an office, trading his own personal account to raise enough money to start his own fund, which he did in early 93, so like three months. In 2001, he generated a 61% return on his investments. <laughs> Aren't you like hoping for six? So this guy did 10 times what most people are looking for. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's a big positive. That's a big feather in Mr. Tepper's cap there. Yes. Uh, In 2009, his hedge fund earned $7 billion. Um, $4 billion of of those profits went directly to Tepper's personal wealth. He made $7 billion and he took more than half. How do you do that? I mean, I guess I a lot know. of it's his money that he's still investing. 
Right? That's how he started it, right? How, how do you just say, no, this is all mine? I mean, it's just, I, listen, who knows? There was another jealous. thing here that I saw. Goodness. Shit, I missed the one, the one, uh, what he made another year where he was uh, the highest paid person in the world that year. He like gave himself $2.2 billion for his salary. Uh, he was uh, in 2022, he is the wealthiest person in New Jersey. Now, here's here's the lot, best lot one. There. Here's the best one and the last one. <laughs> You're ready for this. Pepper <laughs> keeps a pair of brass testicles in a prominent spot on his desk, a present from former employees. <laughs> he rubs them for luck during the trading day. <laughs> Duh. Brad, good old brass balls, Pepper. Guys. Rubbing brass balls on his desk. Imagine you walk in, like the of richest course. guy in New Jersey's office. He sits there and looks at you and looks down at the, the set of <laughs> testicles on his desk. And he looks back at oh. you and you're like, oh, well, this just got awkward. Yeah. Are they your testicles, Mr. Tepper? Or what a giant they, asshole. Are they someone else's? I also heard he, like he finally like left his firm to like pursue like being a an NFL owner, like a sports owner, because there was some other falling out that happened with, you know, that his uh, his, his fund or something like that. Yeah, this guy is, he, he doesn't hear no very often, it sounds like, in his life, which is like most of these 20-somethings right now that are all over Twitter talking about how they, they can't survive on their, they can't afford to live and go out and have fun on weekends with their salaries. Go down another path bringing that up i hate those people yeah. save, save that save that for another time he was the uh, guy the panthers when he was going through ownership they were building that whole new practice facility oh, hey pulled the pulled the plug on it <laughs> and pulled the plug and yeah. the the real estate company quote unquote real estate company just declared bankruptcy that he created to build that thing and they're like oh, bankrupt sorry <laughs> Listen, Tepper, Tepper, staying one step ahead of the law. I'm telling you, he's oh. big Irma Kraken. Like, yeah, no, I can't sue me. Yeah, this is that. This is the development company. It just didn't pan out. We can't build that practice facility now. Uh, I, I feel as though David Tepper is going to, you know, be a perennial you know, winner uh, of this award. Yes. You know, uh, over the next several years. So, from the owner to the general manager, and other guys who you really don't talk about unless they suck, by and large, right? So, uh, let's focus on these bad general managers. So, the nominees are Ryan Poles of your Chicago Bears, Mickey Loomis. Seems like he's been the Saints general manager for my entire adult life. George Payton of the Denver Broncos, Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. Joe Schoen, I think it's Schoen Shane, I don't know, for the New York Giants. And Joe Douglas, I also wrote slash Aaron Rodgers because so. he was the reason for pretty much all of uh, the GM decisions this past year for the New York Jets. Um, so I think he qualifies as a co-general manager for this year. And then lastly, uh, John Robinson, who was fired from the Tennessee Titans. Was he even their general manager last year, John? Did you just hate John Robinson? I, I thought he got fired mid-season. But is that what it is? And then Rand Carthon got the gig. All right, we'll have to. I could be wrong. What we'll that status? Just to fact check that. But let's let's keep a focus on how bad Tennessee is. <laughs> bad owner, bad bad situation with general managers. You know, so we'll uh, you know Tennessee Titans suck. But the winner of the least valuable general manager of the 2023-2024 season is none other than Mickey Loomis 
of the New Orleans Saints, John. How do you feel about Mickey Loomis? He was your number two. Yeah. He, uh, um, I mean, look, the 40, gave all that money to Garrett Carr, which I get. Arms race in that shitty division. And anyone, the first one to get a decent quarterback, should have won the division. They failed to do so. If I am not mistaken, they have been in salary cap hell for like seven years in a row. I don't even know who's getting all that money, but if I'm, <laughs> I believe they're over the cap. They've been over the cap. Cause I mean, we've been doing the pod for what, three years. <laughs> He's, I know when we look at the salary cap every year, the saints are definitely in the red to start the off season. Well, like I, I, I know why that is. And I'm not a cap guy by any means, but they were the first to really embrace these void years on the back of the contracts. So they would kick, you know, the the cap hit out years. Well, that just comes to roost every year, right? So when they gave like Michael Thomas a boatload of money, when they, you know, paid D'Amico yeah. or any other defensive lineman, when they did this, when they did that, there's just all these void years on the back end. Well, that that money eventually comes due. So they keep you know, all they continue to do is restructure, restructure, restructure all active contracts and add dead years. So every year, all they do is just move the ledger another so, year. So there we go. And another year. Should be. Yeah. Listen, you were talking about an arms race and, and paying out the nose for, for uh, Derek Carr. Well, they could have just paid slightly under $7 million for the, the services of one Baker Mayfield, who actually won that division. Yeah. This past year. I mean, no, they, they, they gave $100 million plus guaranteed to uh, Mr. Mid, Derek Carr, right? Yeah, it's crazy the amount of money they gave him. Yeah, yeah. Literally 100 guaranteed, yes. Four 150 with 100 guaranteed. So last year alone in cash, they paid Derek Carr $30 million. That is more than four times what the Bucks paid for Baker Mayfield to be a far superior quarterback. Yeah. I don't, I mean, look, it was, he wasn't neither, he was neither of our first. <laughs> Shitty GMs, but he does deserve to win the award. I mean, you can't can't argue with these piss poor decisions and results. And yeah, he, he's horrific. Uh, my number one was Ryan Poles, who I just yeah, need to take an opportunity to trash. I mean, you look back a year ago, they had the number one pick. <laughs> they, you know, they could have had uh, Will Anderson or the guy uh, uh, who's the Philly listen, guy. You guys listen, they could have took Shadej Stroud. Well, 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 we're talking about this year, but yeah, Jalen Carter was the other guy. Yes, so Jalen Carter, by my many people thought was the best overall player in the draft, but you know, do you take a defensive tackle first overall? He had some off-field issues, so we fell. I get it. So the Bears are there going, Justin Fields, what are we going to do? Quarterback, we need defensive end help. Let's uh, instead they brought in Yannick Ngakwe. So they pass on Will Anderson, who just won Defensive Rookie Player of the Year. They trade down. They go to nine. Eagles come up, they trade down, take arguably at the time the best overall player in the draft at defensive tackle, where a year later they get the first pick again and they still have the same fucking questions a year ago in a draft with worse defensive end help, worse defensive tackle help. These things could have been addressed a year ago. <laughs> it's like another year. They have the same, they didn't fix any of their problems. And, and, yeah, just the decisions they've made are nuts. And I think they're going to fuck it up again this year. I, I mean, I, if, if they screw this draft up again, and I believe they will, I, I, I think Pulse is a clear 
<laughs> a clear nominee a year from now again. <laughs> uh, I, after this next draft, where it currently holds picks one and nine, didn't they trade their early second round pick for Chase Claypool? So, so last year, yes, it oh, was the okay. so thirty. Some. Yeah, because they had yeah. the um, they legit oh, yeah. had the first pick because they sucked this year. Yeah, so it was the thirty second pick because yes, they, they traded their forfeited. second for Claypool, which ended up being. 30. Well, no, it ended up being 32. 32 it ended yeah, up technically being a first because fucking mm-hmm. Miami didn't have a pick. Yep. So it was yeah. the 32nd overall pick. Yeah. Boy. So, yeah, in theory, they traded a first for fucking yeah. Chase. What, 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 what they could have done with that pick. Yeah. So, listen, he he's uh, he's on notice. Um, that, that's for sure. Um, <clears throat> when we, he needs to he needs to draw his line to say now. It's either. I, I'm taking Caleb Williams at one and I'm hitting, you know, the reset button, getting young and building that way. Or I need to get, you know, the, the godfather offer for one. And then you're, you're committing to Justin Fields. Personally, I, I think the answer is Caleb Williams, whether I think he's better than uh, Justin Fields or not is irrelevant. Did you reset the clock? Justin Fields yeah, is like you away from getting paid. So I'm, I'm drafting Caleb Williams at one. I'm seeing what I can get for Justin Fields. I'm probably using nine on a receiver to pair with DJ Moore to give him. If one and, of those left tackles is there, um, the I can't remember either one of their names off the top. Man, yeah, Alder Fashano. Yeah, they won't I, be. I, I don't think they'll be there in nine. Oh, I but, think one of. Well, we'll see. But yeah, I think assuming they are, I think that's what you do because they got that. I thought it was a stupid pick a year ago that right tackle they took, but he's been pretty good. So if you could get. A good left yeah, tackle right. this year, yes. So yeah. you could lock up both your tackles for Caleb Williams. I think you have to pull the trigger on that. Yeah, I mean because he needs to be protected. That was a huge problem with USC um, this past year as their offensive line was well, their defense and too. for Drop Fields. Him. Yeah, their offensive line was trash, but Fields is was more creative, you know, and can you know, can you know work around that. I mean, he takes a ton of sacks, you know, but he also made it ton of plays with his legs because of that, but not here nor there. We'll have plenty of time to talk about what happens with the 101. So we have to pick the pace up a little bit on this. So let's go into the least valuable head coach of the 2023-2024 season. This is a who's who of coaches we have shat on. Who's who of hatred to be yeah. uh, over the last few years. So the nominees are Brandon Staley, formerly of the Los Angeles Chargers, Arthur Smith, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons. Mike McDaniel, we're going to have to talk about that one, was a John DeBari nomination. Ron Rivera, formerly of the Washington Commanders. Bill Belichick, formerly of the New England Patriots. Matt Eberflus, currently of the Chicago Bears. Mike McCarthy, currently of the Dallas Cowboys. And Brian Dable, currently of the New York Giants. This was a deep, deep nominee class here. But the winner, of the 2023-2024 least valuable head coach in the NFL goes to none other than your favorite guy to trash in the entire league, Brandon Staley. Just this award warms my heart, makes me so happy he got it. Nobody mm-hmm. deserves this more. Uh, you know, Mr. Analytics, darling of the stat folks when he got that job and, you know, saying all the right PC bullshit any chance he got. I, I've never grown to hate somebody <laughs> so quickly as him, and, and your, he deserves all of it. Yeah, your hatred of Brandon Staley is well documented. <laughs> I clearly 
as a, you know, an adopted Los Angeles charger, you know, defender, um, just love a lot of the players on their team. Sure. Me too. Consistently disappointed by this organization and watching Brandon Staley make bonehead play after play and then not own any of it in the post-game pressers. The fact that he made it as long as he did with that team is astonishing. Now I will state that Brandon Staley was the clear number one with a bullet for you. And you know, that makes total sense. He was number three for me because I think there were some guys that just outshined him this year. And my, my pick was Arthur Smith. The fact of what he was unable to do with all that offensive talent in a division that we were just talking about, that was extremely winnable this year with the saints and the Buccaneers, because the the Panthers were not trying to be involved in that conversation and just being the third best team of those three, you know, with just a high level rookie talent that was infused on that roster is just unreasonably, uh, you know, the don't even know the word. I, I'm, at, I'm speechless. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hard to do what Arthur Smith did with that level of talent. Um, but that would probably transition us pretty smoothly. Don't want to spoil anything, but into the quarterback position. And we're going to talk about the least valuable quarterbacks again, the 2023, 2024 season. And the nominees are Mac Jones of the new England Patriots, Kenny baby hands, Pickett of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Daniel Jones of the New York <clears throat> Giants, Sam Howell, Washington commanders, Derek Carr of those New Orleans Saints and Desmond Ritter of the Atlanta Falcons and the winner of the least valuable quarterback in the NFL is none other than Desmond Ritter himself. That, again, is a pretty consensus decision by you and I. He sucks. He is next level bad. But here's the problem, too. They're not even in a position to address it. He'll probably be their quarterback again. Listen, that what they need to do is just to give the Bears whatever they want for Justin Fields. I mean, that's the right. I mean, that's been the narrative. And and I don't if the Bears are going with Caleb Williams, th- that is prob I mean, they should be on the phone with Atlanta all day, every day, just to make it happen. Yeah, agree. Yeah, you know, I mean, there are some free agents out there, right? I mean, the Kirk Cousins, technically a free agent. Gardner um, Minshew. Gardner Minshew. Minshew. Minshew would be a huge upgrade. It'd be, <laughs> yeah, but he's more of a bandit. He's not a star. Oh, no, I right? get he's, it. He's a yes. backup plus. I mean, the Colts need to retain him. You know, um, if the Broncos are still looking to move on from Russell Wilson and he'll accept, you know, a blow market deal because of all the money he's guaranteed, like he goes vet minimum. So he doesn't because he has some offset language in his contract. I mean, I'm not. I don't a, know. I'm not enamored with Russ, but if the Denver's done with him, if I were him, I'd be like, oh shit, a good offensive line, top running backs, you know, quality receiver and tight end, like in a winnable division, you know, in a dome, like in the NFC, right? Yeah. It seems like Atlanta's a play. I don't know where his fucking wife is from, but it seems like it's a good spot for her, <laughs> and we yeah. know that's going to play a factor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, they, they can fix it, whether they do or not, is beyond me. But Desmond Ritter <clears throat> drug down this entire offense to, like, levels unknown. 
he was just so inefficient. His time, yeah, I mean, he wasn't play rate good, was disgusting. Like, but, but we both have Arthur Smith high. I don't know how much Arthur Smith was dragging Ritter down too. I mean, listen, everybody they're, they're, sucked. I, 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 I'm assuming. Let's let's say nothing changes on the offense. I, I'm just assuming with a change at coach, Ritter will be better. Um, Bijan will be better. Drake London will be better. Pitts, I, I, you know, rising tide lifts all ships. I, I just, as much as he sucked, I would be willing just because, like we said, unless they're trading for Justin Fields or something, there's not a lot out there where I think they can even fix it. I would be okay with them running back a year of Ritter just because they have no fucking choice. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a world where that happens. I even think with a mid first round pick, you know, maybe they have to reach for someone, but like a Penix or you know a Bonix, who I'm not advocating should go there, but there'll be quarterbacks there. It sounds like the you know four quarterbacks will be gone because McCarthy's starting to steam up. He's getting a lot of to the Vikings um, projections. That's now like the odds <coughs> on paper to draft him. Which if that's the case, then Kirk Cousins isn't going back to Minnesota, which then maybe opens up Kirk Cousins as an option. For the Falcons, and he'd be a great distributor um, in, in that offense. So I just don't see a world where anyone wants Desmond Ritter to be the starter again in Atlanta. But that's just oh, yeah. me. And all I imagined with him and Arthur Smith was just a double anchor, right? Just like coming <laughs> off a boat, just like both sides of the boat, dropping anchor, and just ripping that thing <laughs> underwater, you know, because that offense didn't stand a chance. Yeah. You know, the Atlanta double anchor. That's uh, that's what that was. So from quarterback on to running back, one of the favorite positions of ours. You know, tight end is obviously the you know the apple of our eye, but we love us some running backs, specifically running backs we don't like. So the least valuable running back award for 2023. The nominees are always injured, probably hurt right now, Samaj P. Ryan. Brian also seems to get injured quite frequently, amongst other things. Robinson. Alexander, such a disappointment, Madison. Damian, pipped by Devin Singletary Pierce. Jerome Ford, big and useless A.J. Dillon, and Miles Booby Sanders. That was just a sad list of running backs to discuss. And the winner of the worst, of the least valuable running back in the 2023-2024 season is Miles Sanders. Another Carolina Panther finds his way onto our least valuable awards. Miles Sanders was the big free agent signing running back this past year. He was supposed to lead the Carolina Panthers backfield, and he quickly lost every shred of opportunity to <laughs> Chuba Hubbard and now vows to return even better next year. And uh, I don't know that that's even an option for him. The only reason he's probably still going to be on the Panthers is because they overpaid him severely. Yeah, come will be back. So, mm-hmm. Miles Sanders, you earned this award, sir. He was number two for both of us. You went with Samaj P. Ryan, which fantastic, sir. He didn't make my list. He should have. Yes, that that's what I highlighted him. I couldn't yep. believe I was a clear, clear omission on my part. We all know that I don't like Brian Robinson. I think he is the plotter of all plotters. He was number one for me. But, you know, Samaj P. Ryan rightfully should have made his way into my I, top five. I did have a question. You had Jerome Ford on your list. I thought, given the situation and everything, I thought Jerome Ford was okay. I think he, listen, you just went with okay. Uh, Nick Chubb went down and there was no one there 
And the Cleveland Browns said, we have to go sign Kareem Hunt back mm-hmm. and bring him in and give him significant work in this offense. And by the end of the season, Kareem Hunt was the starting running back for the Cleveland Browns. He was the, you know, dude scored two touchdowns in their postseason blowout. I just thought, given the opportunity, you know, you tell me he's going to see over 200 uh, carries and, you know, didn't see a lot in the receiving. There's more than I thought. And 63 targets in a receiving game, you know, and, you know, yeah, so he found his way in over 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns on the year. But I just, I I felt like underwhelmed by his production, given the opportunity. He's only four yards per carry. Maybe I got spoiled with Nick Chubb and what he does when he runs there, but significant volume in the passing game. Only seven yards per reception. I mean, if the touchdowns helped him, right? He found his way into nine touchdowns, but, you know, 4.6 yards per touch. Like, I don't know. I expected more. I just felt like given the the role in that offense that he stuck out to me. I mean, if I had to redo this list, yes, I would replace Jerome Ford with Samaj P. Right. That would be the player that would come out. But I, I, I was disappointed in Jerome Ford's production given his opportunity. Makes sense. All right, so we are going to move on to wide receivers now. Wide receiver, least valuable wide receiver 2023-2024 season. The nominees are Quentin Johnson of the Los Angeles Chargers, Rashad Bateman of the Baltimore Ravens, Jerry Judy of the Denver Broncos, Kadarius Toney of the Kansas City Chiefs, Drake London of the Atlanta Falcons, Allen Robinson of the Los I don't even know. Los Angeles Chargers? Los Angeles <laughs> no, Rams? Is that Pittsburgh Rams? Steelers now? Oh, that's right. Totally forgot about that year. Uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Traylon Burks of the Tennessee Titans and Jahan Dotson <clears throat> of the Washington Commanders. And the winner of the least valuable wide receiver in the 2023-2024 season is two-time defending Super Bowl champion Kadarius <laughs> Tony. He has two Super Bowl rings. He is too. Back-to-back. Yes, he is a two-time Super Bowl champion. Oh. As, a, as a statement. That he can make. He also believes that he is a wide receiver one in the NFL. But the Kansas City Chiefs didn't feel the need to activate him in the playoffs. Incredible. At all. Incredible. So, yeah, I mean, former first-round pick. Gets gets bumped out of the Giants' uh, wide receiver room, which literally has guys that should not be in the NFL. They said, ah, we'll get rid of this guy. Goes to Kansas City. We all get our panties bunched up in excitement because, oh, 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 bringing in a, a first-round talent wide receiver into this offense and all this guy has done is to create headlines and drop footballs. This was a – I'm very happy he won this award. He stinks. Yeah, see, there I don't know that there was really a, a shadow of a doubt. I, I, you had Kadarius Tony first. I did have Quinn Johnson first because just the opportunity that was in front of this kid in Los Angeles with all of the injuries and for him to do as little as he did and, and himself be responsible for some catastrophic drops. Um, he was a tremendous disappointment for me, but Kadarius Tony, you know, for the, for the buzz and the, the potential, you know, and the, the, the fact that his own team felt no need to involve him in their postseason plans. Um, yeah. Shows <laughs> how, on invaluable, no invaluables. How not valuable <laughs> this player is. He. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see where he plays next year because it will not be in Kansas. Leave your uniform at home, sir. Yeah, yeah. Leave. Leave the playbook in the locker room. I. I was. 
bad town to uh, get lost in. But no, no police reports, right? Nothing bad happened. Yeah. I was surprised you did not have Rashad Bateman on your list. Yeah, they, I blame everyone but Rashad Bateman. That's that's just where I'm at. I'm still in the denial phase of my Rashad Bateman, you know, affinity. Um, he just didn't get opportunity. I mean, he's just, I still, when I watch him play, I still think he's good. <laughs> I do. I think he gets open. You know, I don't think he gets targeted. And I don't know. I, he's another guy I want to see elsewhere. But I mean, listen, you're talking about an offense that paid uh, Odell Beckham $16 million to Ooh. never use him the whole year. You know, Ooh. literally, like ever use him. You know, even after Mark Andrews goes down, they can't find a way to involve Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman in the offense. I mean, it's like, no, we have to force more balls to Isaiah Likely. That's what we have to do. Yeah. I would would prefer, I would prefer it too, though. If you're the, if you're the OC, but yeah, then why do you spend all that money? Yeah. He, yeah. Listen, Bateman is, you know, a a, a rightful nominee in, in this, but I could not bring myself to uh to list them so i, I was going to end on tight ends but no i want to i want to i want to end with a, with a thud so we're going to go with tight ends now so the least valuable tight ends of the 2023-2024 season the nominees are you wrote cincy tight end which i think is fantastic <laughs> bruce sample er smith uh mitchell wilcox and tanner hudson um i feel like tanner hudson actually like shined for like a, a minute or two at, at the end of the season but Agreed. The, the amalgamation, you know, of tight end that the was worst. since he tight end was pretty bad. Um, Mike Gesicki, <clears throat> formerly now he signed a one year deal with the New England Patriots. Dorham Smythe, who is technically the starting tight end for the Miami Dolphins. Noah Fant, who now I believe is a free agent, was with the Seattle Seahawks. Dewan Johnson of the New Orleans Saints. Darren Waller of the New York Giants. Greg Dolchich of the Denver Broncos, who got hurt on two separate occasions this year. And lastly, Chig Okonkwo, the tight end of the Tennessee Titans, and the winner of the least valuable tight end of the 2023-2024 season is none other than Mr. Mike Gusecki. Congratulations, Mike. I bit took the cheese one more time with you going to the Patriots. $10 million, getting back with Bill O'Brien. Saw a world where you and Hunter Henry could coexist in this offense that had precious little pass catchers outside of the two of you. And no, no, you just refuse to participate yet again, you know, in the, the offense. And you finished with a resounding 29 receptions for 244 yards and two touchdowns, all of which qualified. No, I'm sorry. Your rookie year, you did find your way into 22 catches for 202 yards and no touchdowns in Miami. But your second worst <clears throat> production of your entire NFL career, when you started all 17 games, when you played, sorry, all 17 games, and were listed as a starter in 10 of those, you're 8.4 yards per reception is your career worst, and I hate you for it. Yeah. Uh, very few players have done less with more. <laughs> more opportunity, more physical talent. I mean, this guy, totality of his career kind of stunk, but is really – Turned up the stink the last couple of years. And you, you mentioned this year, new team, team that has featured two tight ends in the past. and whew, Horrific. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, he, he stinks. Uh, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I knew it wasn't going to work in Miami once uh, McDaniel got there. I said that 
from the rooftop. Said, no, this wasn't going to work. He doesn't block. It's not going to work. Then he went to New England. I said, okay, they paid him. They, this, they went after this guy. They targeted him. You know, GM Bill Belichick <laughs> made this move. And they, they have to make this work. You know, there's too much opportunity here. And, and no, they, uh, they said, we can, we can do Miami one worse and make this guy even less valuable. So we'll see. Uh, he'll only be 29 and, next year. So he's just like entering his prime, right? Like and they had prime. <laughs> they had need for receivers in New England. I mean, Screaming the wide receiver room was not great. They had a ton of injuries. I mean, Kendrick Bourne went down. Parker was hurt most of the year. Uh, Douglas got Juju hurt, hurt throughout yeah. the season. Juju yeah. stunk and got hurt. It's like it was yeah. nothing but an opportunity for Gesicki to get a hundred fucking targets, and that guy didn't earn a single one of them. No, no, he's uh, he is dead to me. Well, let's finish this with a flare. So we said offensive skill position players, right? So let's talk kickers, John. Right? We never talk kickers. Kickers shouldn't exist in fantasy football. Shouldn't exist in dynasty football. They're not in any dynasty leagues that that I play in. But redraft, they're still kickers. And listen, kickers played a big role. In the Super Bowl, I'm Moody making 50. Them even letting him kick a 50 yard field goal blew my mind at the beginning of the game. But then he misses an extra point that proved critical to the outcome of the game. Meanwhile, Harrison Bucker is just, you know, 50 plus, no problem, just drilling them, you know, over and over and over again. Real quick thing on a missed field goal I don't think a block should count as a miss. I think it should be chalked up as a block. I don't so think it should go against the kicker. Correct. But he kicked it low. So at what point I, is listen, this his fault? That, you know, you don't need to. I get it, but kind of like you, when, you when. Put that thing straight up in the air, right? When uh, Bucker really nailed that be. long one. I mean, when you're kicking a longer field goal, you you are intentionally kicking it low because you have to. But, yeah, if you yeah. just have. Does not qualify for an extra point, John. So I, I appreciate your, you know, soapboxing, but that ball should have been nowhere near that defender's head for, for that extra point. So. I'm still finding Mr. Moody responsible for that mix, this extra point. But on to the least valuable kickers, the 2023-2024 season. So this one's open for interpretation. We had some we had some variations here, right? So the nominees are Graham Gannell of the New York Giants, Anders Carlson of the Green Bay Packers, whose brother is a kicker for the Los Angeles Vegas Raiders. You know, kicking in the family. Eddie Pinero. Is Eddie Pinero? Is he Chicago Bears? We don't have uh, team here, and I'm trying. Fuck, I don't remember where he went. Remember, I had Eddie Panero, whoever you played for, you made the list. Los Angeles Rams kicker between Haversick, whose name I don't know, and Brett Maher you know, for the season. They switched midseason because they were having issues with their kicker. Uh, the New York well, Giants kicker. I, yes. I have to interrupt. Are you ready for this exciting update? Go. Eddie Panero is. The Carolina Panthers kicker. <laughs> I shouldn't we have more. We have more Carolina in here. I should have known. Yes. I mean, he might, yeah, we might have to, we might have to recast the vote now that he's been identified as the Panthers kicker. Um, then we have New York Giants kicker, which is another gross combination of Graham Gano, Mason Crosby, and Randy Bullock. And then lastly, Chad Ryland, who was a rookie for the New England Patriots, who they sunk high draft capital to bring in to the team. And he found his way into a 64% um uh, field goal rate his rookie year, which is not good. 64%, not good. It's good completion rate for quarterbacks, not good field goal rate for kickers. And the winner, 
of the 2023-2024 least valuable kicker goes to Mr. Graham Gano of the New York Giants, who I had listed solo. You had him as part of the trifecta of New York Giants suck. Graham Gano himself was only 64.7% success rate on field goals, 11 to 17 before he was released. His three years prior with the New York Giants, his field goal percentage was 91.8%. May he fell off a ooh cliff this past year and had to get replaced by not one, but two other veteran kicker retreads. Graham Gano couldn't even withstand the suck that was the New York Giants this year. Yeah, and, and you know, if, if we redid this list, I, I might actually put Anders Carlson first. And the reason is, I mean, 81% on your field goals is not good. But then to go 87% on the extra points, and, and, and Eddie Pinero, 85%, to me, those extra points should be fucking damn near automatic. So for it to be quite questionable going into that PAT every every touchdown of the year, ooh, that's got to do something to your offense and make everybody kind of sick to their stomach when you're back there. So I I leaned a little heavy on the extra point over the field goal personally, but yeah, uh, Gano and this entire Giants kicking core. I mean, Gano, uh, 64%, Crosby, 71 Bullock, 83 No matter who kicked, they sucked. They just didn't have a good kicker and you can't even put it on like the coaches but uh yeah th- I, I gave a bump down to like some of the rookies like you had quentin johnson uh for your um worst wide receiver and you had ryland here for I, I gave the rookies a slight benefit of the doubt if it was year two i would be happy to put all these guys as high as you had them yeah yeah i mean there's some uh there's some poor performances uh, across the board by these kickers, you know, and there's, you know, kicker turnover is, is significant, you know, at, at this point in time. So when you find, you know, a Justin Tucker or a Harrison Bucker, you, you hold on for dear life in, in the NFL because it can, it can cost you a Super Bowl, John. I mean, that's a, that's just a, the fact of the matter. Uh, oh, yeah. If you have a bad kicker and, you know, the teams we named, they uh, by and large were not kicking in the postseason. So, Bad kickers, you know, uh, impact football outcomes as well. So they, that represents our 2023-2024 least valuable workshop in the Razzies, the Weenies. Uh, we're going to have, you know, the can't be the 40s because that's our, our other award show. But we're going we're gonna to figure this out and we're going to come up with some awesome name for these stinkers because this will be the way we close every football season from here into perpetuity <laughs> with the fantasy 40, John, why don't you take us out of here? As I literally have one minute, right? So that'll do it for us. <laughs> Thanks for checking this out. We, like I mentioned earlier, we are going to take the week off and then uh, come back with some rookie stuff and off season and it's full swing dynasty content two weeks from now. So, Thanks for checking this out. Hopefully you enjoyed it. For myself, John Abari, my co-host, Matt Walker, we are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. NFL season. See you next year. Wow. They're halfway house. Dude, it's... Here, I've never even heard of halfway house. Insane. You never heard of halfway houses? It's like the no. midpoint, like after nine holes. I, I know you're. I, I mean, I get it. Every course I play, the fucking nine comes back to the clubhouse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This. I mean, this does come back in too, so it's a similar concept, but it has a separate separate structure than <clears throat> you know, like the the clubhouse, like where you can like bathroom somewhere to get up something mm-hmm. to drink. Like, there's a whole like 
area like where they had like the dinners for like the Ryder Cup and stuff like that. Like it's like a whole separate like structure, but yeah, like higher end places. Because a lot of times like you're going out for nine holes, coming back in for nine. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The legit places, right? <laughs> where they're not. Oh yeah, I get it. That's why, I was, that's why when yeah. you said it, I was like, ooh, fancy. <laughs> yeah. I, knew, I knew immediately that was a. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like, yeah you're, you're you're living a charmed life but yeah definitely one of the coolest things i've ever oh yeah that sounds great experiences i, I like legit up. walking a private and no, it's not private but legit walking like a pga yeah. course that has like history you know it was pretty awesome man oh when you walk you had to walk it too yeah we had to walk both it's not bad when you don't have to carry your own bag. Oh, well, yeah. All right. All right. It's, not, it's, it's really so not bad at all. It's actually kind of enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, just walking outside and just did the, just, yeah. 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 Taking it all in. Yeah. Two free oh, heads yeah. for whatever your yeah. heart desires. Right. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Fuck. You are, you are <laughs> never, you are never thirsty on these courses either. They are, they understand. You know, client satisfaction, customer satisfaction. You are just, like, yeah, you're just taking a beautiful stroll outside. This poor just, fuck. Just a wonderful day. Just a nice breeze oh. coming off the ocean. Now, see, you know? yeah, in my mind, it was always going to be miserable, but I never no. looked at it that way. No. Yeah. No, it is. Uh, oh, you you sold me completely on the camera. enjoyable. You and I, one day, Jonathan, we're getting out on a golf course with a cat. Oh, yeah. 